Hi, this is Arlene. For those that don't know, I'm Kelly's wife. But today, I honestly feel more like Chris from Adventures in Odyssey. In today's episode, Kelly will be interviewing John Forrest, who is the principal of the Bible school. He's going to share how he came to know Christ and how the Lord has been faithful throughout John's life, even during the darkest moments. But make sure to stick around after the interview for announcements. One of the things we want to do with our podcast is to interview alumni, staff, and, uh, and guest speakers, other people of interest that may minister to our alumni, and uh, any, really anyone who's listening. We want to encourage others in Christ, so anytime we come across somebody like, like that that we believe would do that, we want to sit down and have a talk with them. Uh, today, we are, and this is actually our very first interview. It's, it's not going to be the first episode, but uh, just so everybody knows, can kind of follow along, get the behind-the-scenes uh, understanding of what's going on. This is our very first interview. It's spring break here at His Hill, and just a few of the staff are here. And so I'm sitting down with a good friend of mine. His name is John Forrest. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, why do I have to interview John and introduce him to the alumni? Because you know him. But actually, we're, His Hill, the ministry's been here long enough now to where we, uh, we, we have younger, well, well, what I consider younger staff coming on who were actually people that I taught. And, and so there's people that were before them that don't know them. Uh, so anyway, this is John. John, what year did you come on staff? Uh, I came on staff in 2012. Okay, 2012, and you were a student when? Uh, in 2005. 2005. Yeah, John was in my discipleship group, and we had a we had a good year together. John used to come down on the family movie nights and uh, and and take part in that with us. I think Arlene made pizza. Oh yeah, the, we yeah. watched Andy Griffith show. Yeah, yeah. The girls great. girls didn't understand that that wasn't a movie, and uh, we were, we thought it was safe, and we all enjoyed it. So we'd watch Andy <laughs> Griffith and eat pizza. We did that a lot. Anyway, John, uh, how long have you been on staff now? Uh, this is my ninth year, so this this May it'll be ten years. Okay, ten years. Wow, that that has gone really quick. Yeah. John and I served together on staff for a few years, and then uh, I originally had resigned and moved away uh, to Louisiana for six years, and have just moved back. So most of that time uh, that he's been on staff has been with me, not here. But we did get to serve uh, a few years together, and it was it was really neat to have somebody that was a student of mine that I had developed a, a good ref- a friendship with to come back and uh, and to be able to serve together with him. Anyway, John, for those that don't know you, um, could you give us some some background? Yeah, I uh, originally am from South Carolina, uh, and my family had a dairy farm there, and that's where my, my dad is from originally, but then my mom is from Maryland, so when I was two, we moved up to Maryland, uh, lived there until I was 15, was homeschooled, uh, great Christian family, and so just grew up hearing about the Lord and, and seeing uh, a relationship with the Lord and the fear of the Lord lived out in front of me every day with my parents, and just really blessed with that. And so, yes. Yeah, that's where it started. And when I was around eight, you know, the Lord just really, uh, through a conversation with my mom, I remember just really made it clear in my heart and mind of uh, just my need for him, you know, and 
And so I remember kneeling down on the side of my bed with my mom and praying and uh, just acknowledging uh, my my need as a senior, sinner and in Christ's provision as a savior. And, and so that was uh, that was when the Lord really you know just changed me and and I got to be uh, in Christ and born again. Uh, but then we moved to back to South Carolina when I was fifteen, and that was a hard. A hard move because I was, I grew up in a sheltered Christian home uh, and was homeschooled. And so when we moved, it was uh, the first time that I went to uh, school five days a week. We went to a private school. And so just trying to figure out, you know, even though I knew that I was saved, uh, I didn't really know what it meant to to rest and to find my identity in, in Jesus. Uh, and so in high school, that's what it was about, was just trying to figure out my identity. And and so going to, to other people around me and in the world to try to feel that inclusion that I was longing for, that I felt like I had left when I moved from Maryland to South Carolina. And and so then my senior year in, in high school, grade 12, uh, the Lord, just through a series of different challenging circumstances and me uh, making really bad decisions, uh, the Lord just, again, just brought me to the end of myself and, and made me just recognize and, and acknowledge and thankfully just celebrate that my identity was, was in Him, you know, that it wasn't in trying to, to maintain an appearance for anybody else. You know, it wasn't approval with people, uh, but, but I was His. And, and so that was uh, February of, of that year, my senior year, 2005, uh, that the, my relationship with Christ just really became to to be real in my heart. Okay, and that would, um, and then that was just before coming to his hill. Correct. Yeah, and it's my oldest brother. Both my brothers came here before me, and my oldest brother, when he was looking at what to do after high school, uh, my dad recommended he go to his hill. And I never even heard my dad talk about a Bible school or torchbearers or anything. Uh, but my dad had actually been roommates with Charlie, you know, the director here, uh, when they were at Columbia Bible College in South Carolina. And so that's how my dad knew about it. And so my brother came, and then my next brother came as well. Uh, so after the Lord, you know, just really transformed my life, I, I knew I wanted to go to Bible school. You know, I was really hungry for, for the Word. But I also knew that I really did not want to go to the same place that my brothers went because, <laughs> you know, people don't want to do that. How many times we have students that say, yeah, I didn't want to go to this center because my siblings went there. Yeah, and, right. Uh, and so I applied to, to a different torch fair center and the Lord, as summer approached, just really convicted me and said that I was wanting to go to a different torch fair center for all the wrong reasons. Not that the other center was was bad in any way. It was just not where the Lord wanted me. Okay. And so I remember calling up the office and asking if I could come here instead. And it worked out. Well, good. Yeah, well, I'm glad <laughs> that you did. Because like I said before, we, we've had a really good friendship over the years. Um, and that was uh, one of the things I remember about you being here. And I'm going to ask you in a second to just talk about your time as a student. But I remember early on, uh, and you may not remember this, but there was a there was a time when, as the the principal here or as the dean, it depends. It's really funny, you know. I, I, we use both. D- just a side note here: we use both titles 
uh, I was the dean of students and I was the principal. And that's what John, that's, that's John's position now. And, but it, it, it's really funny in the States, people ask, would ask me, what position do I hold at his hill? And I would say, I'm the dean. And they would understand what that means. But then I found, because we're an international ministry, I, would, I found that if I ever said I was the dean, like to maybe a European, it didn't mean the same thing to them. It was more yeah. like a, uh, what do you call it, a, a, an RA yeah. in, in college or in university. So I found that outside of the States, I had to introduce myself as the principal for them to understand. So you've, you have found the same oh, thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. as... I've talked to other Bible schools. Some of them have a principal and they have a dean of students right. or a dean of men and dean of women. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's definitely that that distinction there based on the, the country, part of the world that you're Right. From. And that's one of the, the fun things really about being a part of an international ministry is, yeah. you know, you get to understand other people and you have to think, you know, step back and not be so defensive and just, you know, think, okay, why do they say this and where are they coming from? And, and I have found with my all of my experience with torchbearers, including going back to being a student, that you know that that's been very beneficial for me to be a part of an international ministry. It's made me have to think through some things. You know, sometimes just think through why do I believe the way I believe, yeah. and sometimes to know that it's just it's just terminology, it's semantics. But but it's not always. But yeah. but sometimes it can be, and it, it but it's been profitable for me to have to think through those things. Um, but anyway, what I was going to get at is. Uh, I remember when you were early on here uh, as a student that the b- because of my position, you know, I had to I had to deal with discipline and 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 issues that would come up. I'd have to address them, and I remember don't don't be nervous. You're getting a smile like I'm about to reveal something. <laughs> but no. what stories you tell next? <laughs> no, but what uh, what I'm thinking of is there was I don't even remember what the issue was, but I remember within the student body there was an issue. And it was just this underlying current of something that was going on that needed to be dealt with. And and this was very early. It was maybe within the first month. And I remember walking in, and instead of teaching that hour, I think I had that hour assigned to me to teach, I just addressed the issue that was going on. And I said, okay, guys, listen, I can, I can sit here and deal with this with you, or you can deal with it yourself as a student body. I remember, I think both first and second year students were in there. And I, then I said, now I'm going to leave and I'm going to let you deal with it. And John's going to lead the discussion. You were sitting on the front row over against the side, uh, the window there. And your eyes were big as saucers. You could, <laughs> I, you were in shock and, and, and I think afraid, couldn't believe that I would want you to do that. And I walked out and I remember sitting outside uh, at the picnic tables behind the rock house and just waiting, praying and waiting. And the doors opened <laughs> after a long, you guys had a long meeting and the doors opened and people started coming out and they were walking past me and at multiple number of students were saying, that was incredible. That was incredible. That was so good. Thank you for having us do that. And, uh, and I've always used that illustration because you were pretty quiet at first. Yeah. And I oh, think I'm, I'm still pretty quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's why we get along so well. Uh, but oh, one reason anyway, but because we're both, we both can be quiet, but at the same time, we both can talk a lot. Yeah. And, uh, I think that's when we, the more comfortable we get, the more we, the more we'll talk. Mm-hmm. But anyway, what was neat about that is over the years, I've seen you develop, you come out of the shell and, and really be bold. Uh, you know, you preached just, uh, this is Tuesday, you preached on Sunday and, you know, I, I love, I love it when you preach because, you know, this is because I've, I've, you know, I, I got to 
to to watch you, you know, grow in Christ. I got to watch you grow from a person that was in shock that you'd have to get up and talk to the whole student body to where, you know, you're teaching on a regular basis and you're preaching and and such solid, you know, such solid things where you're really bringing us back to Christ. And that's that's just, you know, praise the Lord. That is such an exciting thing to watch to see how to see how the Lord actually works in a person's heart. Just curious, do you remember that that meeting? Uh, I I remember the event, but the conversation that happened inside of the classroom, I have no recollection. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I probably blocked it from my mind. I was scarred <laughs> from that that moment. Well, no, that's I I I doubt that it was. Uh, I doubt that you handled it poorly. <laughs> um, anyway, what what are your memories of Bible school? Um, my memories of Bible school. Very positive, uh, honestly. Like I just, because again, I had never been around other peers who just really loved the Lord uh, and and wanted to grow in Him. And so I I came hungry, and something that I appreciated so much about my time here, and that I appreciate because it hasn't changed, is just that there is so much uh, both teaching and conversation about the Lord. Uh, and and so you know the the classes were wonderful, and I just appreciated that we were just walking through scripture because that's what I wanted. That's what I was what I was craving because I hadn't studied scripture much at all at that point, and so that was really uh, just beneficial for my own heart. And then also just the the community, and that's always I hear you know alumni talk all the time about the the community and the friendships, the relationships that they develop when they're here. And that's one of the things that I remember the most, you know, that it was just getting to spend time with, with peers who were, uh, who cared about people. And, uh, I mean, there, there weren't major issues or conflicts or tensions that came up that I can remember, uh, but that we just, we seemed to get along really well. And it was a smaller year. My year, I think we had in the mid thirties, uh, in students. And so it was, but it was a, a tight knit group, and I really just enjoyed getting to to be around other believers that that were serious about their relationship with Christ. Okay, yeah, that is a a, a common thing. It's I, I think that it's I know it's been encouraging for me uh, to think back. I remember uh, being in that dorm the first night, and these these uh, roommates of mine from all over the world. And it, w- it was amazing to, to be in a community with people from all over the world who had a heart for the Lord, who wanted to, to know Him. And it was, uh, it was a unique experience. I think for a lot of people who come here, you know, it's a very unique experience. And, um, and something that I think sometimes after Bible school, it really becomes a, tr- a trying time for our alumni because they feel like they've been ripped away from, you know, this incredible community, and and then they flounder for a while. Did did you have any of that frustration when you left? Well, I was during the summer times. I I was here for three summers for the summer camp and enjoyed that every time. And so when I finished my second year at His Hill, I stayed for that next summer as well. Uh, and then straight from there, I went to Columbia National University, CIU in South Carolina. And that's where, again, my dad and Charlie had gone. They just changed their name to CIU. And when I went there, 
I knew it was it was a Christian university, you know, and I was going to study Bible teaching, uh, and so I I anticipated I would still get to be around you know, like minded believers, uh, and and but but I also recognized I think because my my brother one of my brothers had gone to CIU as well, and I was after going to his hill, uh, and through conversations with him, it just kind of been prepared that the next season was going to be different, you know that. That the Lord, and after being on staff now for almost 10 years, I just see this so much more, uh, that the Lord does not intend for us to to live our lives in a setting like His Hill for the majority of us. You know, those that are called to, to work and serve here, we get to. Uh, but it's very much a, a training ground, uh, laying the foundations, but it's not intended to be uh, long-term for everyone. You know, I, I think that we... We liken it often to it being just a little taste of heaven, mm. you know, that, that you get to, again, just be in close-knit community with like-minded believers. Uh, but the going to CIU is just a larger community. And so with that, uh, with there being more young people there and, and more Christians, and there's also just more opportunity for tension and division and, and self-centeredness, because the, the number of people is multiplied. And so the closeness that at CIU just wasn't on par with what it was at his hill, not because CIU was doing things poorly, it was just because there was 800 undergraduate students right. instead of 35. Right. Uh, and so th- it just couldn't have that same level of community. And so, but because of that, uh, I don't think I was really blindsided in, in the transition out, there were challenges. You know, I, I, I think oftentimes what I hear from alumni is just wrestling with how little Christ is preached and, and spoken of uh, just by believers and, in general and in the church in particular. And so I, I wrestled through some of that as well at CIU. You know, that you'd have professors that, that weren't focused on the person of Christ, but were focused on whatever subject they were teaching, whatever theology or doctrine they were, they were focusing on. And, uh, and so, yeah, there were, there were those, uh, those conversations I would have with, with other students, uh, and with professors that was a struggle at times, but by and large, I don't, I don't recall ever really going through any crisis as far as being discouraged or disappointed with just where things were at. Okay. And um, I can kind of identify with the same because after after leaving his hill as a student, I too went to a Bible college, and you know, and it was the same idea. You know, it was just more people, so that it wasn't as intimate. It wasn't as I, I would say uh, for sure. It wasn't a place where I was encouraged toward Christ. Yeah. Uh, but and not that that they didn't talk about Jesus, but it, it was more a, a you know it was it was more the peripheral. And, and not so much, uh, you know, understanding that he doesn't just give us rest, he is our rest. You know, he doesn't just give you peace, he is your peace. Um, so, you know, he is our life. But um, I guess really, and then, you know, it was, it, after that, I, um, after graduation, I got, uh, you know, I, I got started in vocational ministry. So, uh, and only two years after that, I was here at his hill. So I, I kind of didn't really get too much of that either until... The last six years, when I when I left, uh, took my family, went to Louisiana, and we were, it was six years of a you know, really 
um, I, I can identify with those students now that have, have really struggled um, and, and been frustrated. And uh, but I, I have, but but what was consistent for me was the Lord's presence and just working in my heart. And and I'll probably you know at some point. Uh, have a podcast dedicated to this, just what you know, what the Lord did in those six years. So I don't want to take your time with that. But um, how about after graduation? You know, you after graduating college, you then uh, well, tell us about Heather first. Okay, Heather, I, I can talk about Heather for a long time. Uh, so Heather and I, we actually met in middle school. We were in seventh grade. Uh, and so I always tell students to think about the person, people they knew in seventh grade, you know, they could marry one of them and they all moan because they usually have fond memories of middle school. Uh, but we met in seventh grade. It wasn't until we were both at CIU together that we started to, to be interested in each other. And, and then, uh, after just one, one semester there, she and I started dating and, and then it was in, uh, 2009 that we got married that summer. Uh, so I started a year of college left, and so my senior year at CIU, uh, we were married, and uh, and so then once once we finished up, once I had finished up college, she had already graduated, uh, then we took a position in North Carolina, uh, and so I went out there and was teaching in the school system, uh, teaching Bible. And, and that was in a public school, right? It was. Yeah, yeah. that's really interesting. You're teaching yeah. Bible in a public school. Yeah, it was a really, really unique setting. Uh, and just a, a neat opportunity to get to share with students who grew up in the Bible Belt. But mm. but just because they grew up in the Bible Belt, many of them uh, had never heard of you know the story of Noah and the flood. They never heard the idea of a six-day creation. And it was, uh, and it was eye-opening for me, too, that you know, knowing that these kids had by and large, grown up in what they would consider a church setting, uh, yet knew very little about Scripture. Uh, and and also with that, you know, just giving them the opportunity to think about what is right and wrong. Uh, I found that really interesting also because in, for many of the, the public school teachers, even if they're believers, they, they wrestle with knowing what they can and can't talk about as far as ethics and morality. Uh, and so there were a number of controversial topics that would just come up in my class because we were going through Scripture. And as you go through Old Testament stories, there's, there's a lot of really interesting decisions that people make uh-huh. and, uh, and challenging circumstances that they have to walk through. And so getting to, to just go through those stories with the students and, and hearing their questions and their thoughts, of, well, why is this wrong? Why is this, why is this God encouraging this? Uh, so that was just a really unique opportunity for us to get to be there. And so we were there for about two years before we moved on to, to his hill. So. Yeah, tell us about that. How did you guys end up coming here? Well, uh, it turned out that in order to keep teaching at the school in North Carolina, uh, we were going. I was going to have to go back to get my master's uh, to be able to teach at the state level. And... I'm not really sure why originally they let me start teaching at the state level and then they kind of pulled back on that. But that was, that was what was in front of us. And and we had just had our first, first daughter. Uh, and I really didn't want to go back to school at that point. Um, and so we figured we would just, uh, check in with Charlie and see if there was a spot open here. We both would, would have loved to be here. Uh, and so I did. And 
you know, I know that positions don't open up very often at Torchbearer Centers. Uh, and so I wasn't really banking a whole lot that something would be available. And we just figured if, if there's nothing available, then maybe the Lord just wants me to go back to school and work on the master's. But it turned out that there was a spot. Uh, and so Charlie offered me that to come and be the assistant camp director for a summer. And then after that, I transitioned into the camp director position. Okay. And what year was that again? Uh, that was in 2012. Yeah, 2012. Yeah. Okay. Now you mentioned one daughter. How many do you have? We have four daughters. Four daughters. Yeah. These are, it, it, for those of you who don't know the Forrest family, these are just very precious girls. Uh, and they're, they're just a blessing to be around. They, they have great parents. And I don't know anybody that hasn't been taken back and Im- impressed with these little girls. So what are their ages? Uh, our oldest is 10 and then almost every two years. They're 10, 8, 6, and 4 right now. And it's okay. Now, for you alumni, you're probably wondering, okay, four girls... Where do they live? Because you know what the housing has been like here at His Hill. <laughs> well, uh, you know, that's that's been a real neat blessing to watch develop here. Uh, it's uh, th- There's been several uh, changes on the property here. Yeah. And uh, the, the, some of the some of the housing that was here back at the beginning has been renovated and expanded and I mean, done really well. And, but then, uh, when we, when my family moved, we were living in the log cabin that's down in the Canyon and the forests were able to move into it. So they, they had a little more space now, but just recently we've built a a new house and it is, it it is wonderful. It's, it's incredible to see this. Um, if, uh, for those of you who go back a ways and haven't been around this house, what we did is we, we tore down some of the buildings that are just outside the entrance to the main loop here. Uh, they were, they were really getting old and, and, and worn out and, uh, and, and need of a lot of repair. So it just seemed wiser to go ahead and tear them down. And so, uh, there was two places for those of you who know the area it was Francis house and grace house that were torn down and the, and, and the forests were, uh, their house was built in that spot using the whole area there as a yard. And, 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 uh, and it's a, it's a big house. It's, uh, how big is it? I don't remember. Uh, I think it's around 3000 square feet. Yeah, I thought so. It is really big. And so there's plenty of room for the whole forest family. They have a room for homeschooling and, and uh, just dedicated for that. It's really neat to see. Yeah. Uh, big area for students and, 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 and staff to come over and, and just hang out and visit. Uh, but anyway, we're really excited to see you guys in there to have some elbow room. And uh, anyway, that's, that's what's going on there. Did you want to say something about that? Yeah, I mean, it is just a, just a wonderful setup, you know, as, as it was being discussed of you know the layout and floor plan we really wanted to be a house that was geared towards ministry and and so you walk into the front door and it's really just by and large one really big room you know the kitchen and living room all dining room all right there together open space uh and then there's the bedrooms outside of that and so it's it's a great setup we can have you know 30 to 40 students in our home and it's comfortable I just remember all the times down in the log cabin that yeah. we had people over and people were sitting anywhere and everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's been a great blessing for us and hopefully for the students as well. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I, I remember too when we lived in the log cabin coming in 
And, and the, I remember a couple of times the whole student body being there for something. And it was yeah. overwhelming. I mean, you know, people banging on the piano, people sitting on the counters, laying on the counters, yeah. you know, upstairs, downstairs, all over the place. So it's, it is exciting to think that that's, you know, that, that, that your new house is big enough for just everybody to be there. Yeah. Incredible view, nice big porch in the back, big yard. Yeah. So that's, that's really neat. Um, also, for those of you, just while we're talking about that, there's been, uh, there's been, um, let's see, how many other houses have been built? Uh, the, there's been, well, we there was one that was purchased and then added on to that's uh, near Charlie's house. And so that's that's a really nice home as well. There was another uh, another home built, brand new home. The Stamnesses lived there for a long, long time, Brian and Regina, and now um, now the, the Griggs live there. Uh, we uh, were able to purchase another home on neighboring property uh, where Dr. Jennings and his family used to have a place, and that's been renovated. Uh, the lighthouse, uh, for people that know the area, the lighthouse was completely renovated. The Pattersons live there now, and yeah. and, uh, and that's... Uh, uh, Hannah House as well was torn down and rebuilt. That's right, yeah, a brand new house there too. So the housing situation is a lot better for staff here now, and uh, I know... Uh, as a as a person that's uh, that's been a student, a camper actually a student, and and uh, and then now uh, and then permanent staff, and then now uh, I am uh, back part time here, but also a board member. I'm really excited to see that our staff can uh, can live in these kind of accommodations. But anyway, um, let's uh, let's talk about uh, probably one of the well, it has to be one of the more trying times for your for you in your life. Um, and, and something that I can, I can identify with to some extent, uh, you know, because I lost my mother eight months ago and I don't, you know, I learned from that. It doesn't matter how old you get, you know, when, when you lose your mom, you know, when you lose a parent, you've really lost, you know, something of you. And, uh, and it's, it's a process to work through and, and you've had to do that as well. This was, uh, what year, well, go ahead and tell us the story about your mom getting sick and, and, and this timeline and, and, and just how, what the Lord did in your heart with all of this. Yeah. Uh, so it was in 2009, uh, and Heather and I had gotten married that summer. And so my, my mom was there in great health, you know, no concerns. And uh, my whole life growing up, my mom would just regularly get get headaches and migraines and it was just normal, you know, and, uh, and so we didn't think anything of it, but then as, as time went on in 2009, that fall, it was just getting worse and worse. Um, and we didn't really know what was going on. So she started, uh, to see some doctors on it and look, talk to some specialists and they found that there was, there was a growth that was on her brain and it wasn't cancerous at all. Uh, and so when she, was talking to the doctors. They said, yeah, the normal thing is just to go ahead and have it removed. We'll do the surgery, uh, common surgery, no, very little risk at all. Uh, and, and so they just weren't worried. Like they, they gave no indication that things could go poorly because I, not because they were hiding things. They were just really confident that this was a normal procedure. And so, uh, in December, uh, she went in to have the surgery to have this uh, this growth removed, and uh, it all went smoothly afterwards. You know, I went in to visit her when she was at the hospital, and she was going to stay the night there. 
and talk to her normal conversation. You know, she was a little groggy from all the medication she'd been on, the anesthesia. Uh, and then I got a, a call from my dad in the middle of the night. It was about 3 o'clock in the morning, and he told me I needed to come over to the hospital right away. And so I went over there, and there had been uh, a reaction that her brain had had to the surgery, and the doctors were just dumbfounded by it. They couldn't explain it. They didn't know why uh, it reacted that way, but her brain swelled up uh, after the surgery. And so it swelled up to the point that it was, you know, pressing against her skull. And, and so they they just said, you know, there's likely that there's some kind of brain damage that's being caused mm. by that. Uh, and so they put her on life support while the swelling went down. And they just said there's no way to to really know what degree the brain damage is, if there is even is any brain damage, unless we take her off of life support, because we don't know how much she is able to uh, to just you know maintain her own functioning and the organs and all those different things. And so, uh, after a couple of weeks and the swelling had gone down, it was around December twenty second uh, that we knew that we we had to make the decision at some point to take her off life support, and so we. With lots of tears and and prayer, uh, we did that. And yeah, you know, my brother and his wife they were living in China at the time. They had flown back during that those couple of weeks to to be there, uh, and so our whole family was there. And we took her off of life support, and uh, it was just a short time after that, just a few few hours that she passed away, um, and that was hard. I mean understandably and it was uh just so many you know emotions and and thoughts that you're wrestling through being newly married and thinking you know, i i just think the world of my mom like she's she's a wonderful lady loves the lord my, my memories of her so often is seeing her in the evening just sitting on the couch reading her bible mm. uh and and encouraging us uh, as she lived in a house with uh, only having three boys, uh, that she was just very, uh, just loving and that nurturing spirit that we needed so much. Uh, so just thought, thought the world of her. And so as when the Lord decided to take her home, I think one of the, the main thoughts that I was just grieving over was just that, that my own kids would never get to just be with her. Mm. Um, and that was, that was hard. It still is, you know, just thinking about it. Uh, and because, yeah, I just think so much of her and would love for them to get to just have her influence in their lives. Right. Uh, and, and yet, you know, knowing that God really is good and uh, cannot give a, a reasoning specifically for why. You know, that's always a question that we are quick to ask. Why now, you know, it's when she was in her you know, mid-40s, early 40s, uh, you know, it seems way too soon. And, uh, and yet, so much of the time, the Lord doesn't give us an answer, a specific answer to the why, uh, but he, he wants us to to acknowledge to trust him that that he has our best interests in mind mm-hmm. and that in the midst of of the suffering and the the hurt that he wants 
to be our comfort and, and our encouragement. And so that was, yeah, that was uh, definitely a, a trying time, probably the most trying time um, for me. And and as I remember in the hospital during those couple of weeks while she was on life support, um, you know, just thinking about, you know, who, who can I reach out to and, and just talk to about this and try to figure out, you know, what is going on? What's the Lord doing? And, and how to, uh, how to walk through it. And how am I supposed to be responding to these things? And I remember, uh, on multiple occasions, a thought coming into my head, uh, of actually calling you and, and mm. talking to you about things. And then, Right after that, the thought would come in, but what is Kelly going to tell me when I call him and and try to just ask what what is my response going to be? And uh, my time at his hill, it had just been repeated so regularly and faithfully that I knew when I that the thing that I would walk away from with a conversation with you or with Charlie or any of the other staff members would be for this view of Jesus. Mm. Uh, and that it's just that that moment by moment uh, decision of am I going to to yield and to rest and to cling to Jesus, or am I just gonna try to push away and, and just fight through this on on my own? Yeah. Um, and so I was just, again just one one testimony of just the ways throughout the years of the Lord just used my time here to not that again, not that it was you know, his hill in of itself, but just uh, the continual pro- proclamation of Christ mm. being our life mm. uh, that took place here that he used and continues to use uh, in both the joyful moments, but also in, in the darkest moments. Mm. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. It's, it is an encouragement to hear you know, what the Lord did in your heart with it. And, and I've seen you live that too. Uh, I, uh, you maybe don't remember, but during that time I did call you and, uh, it was, uh, you know, you're, when you hear about a friend that's going through something like that, um, you're concerned, you know, for them, but you're concerned too with, you know, you know, where, where are they with the Lord with this? Because, you know, you, you know, that, that, if, if that's not, if that's if they're not in a good place with Jesus, this is going to be this is going to be beyond, you know what they could what they could handle, uh, as anything is. But uh, I remember getting off the phone, and I, I remember some of the conversation, the tone of the conversation. But I remember getting off the phone and being encouraged. Now, it was obvious to me that you were hurting. It was confusing, um, but but that your confidence was in Christ. And uh, so even in the midst of that hurt, uh, it was, it was, that was showing, you know, and so that was, that was always, uh, and, and, and today is, is, uh, has been an encouragement, you know, to, you know, that, that, that Jesus is, is much more than fairy tale, <laughs> you know, that, that he is real and he's living and he's active. Uh, he knows our innermost parts. And as we deal with him, uh, you know, the whole thing at the end of Hebrews chapter 4, as we deal with him, uh, that rest that is Christ becomes a reality. And that's uh, that's something that I've seen in, in your life and, in, and and have been encouraged by. 
Well, again, thanks for sharing that. And uh, as we come toward the, the end of the, the time here, and I, that, this is really what I'm hoping our interviews will be like, just more like com- just conversations. Um, but uh, could you just quickly touch on uh, the, your responsibilities here? Let everybody know just what do you do here at His Hill? Well, it's ministry, so it just kind of depends on the moment, yeah. the season. Uh, you know, everyone wears lots of different hats. And so I I have titles, but as far as what I do, uh, helping with just the day-to-day decisions of running Bible school and the student body, uh, you know, counseling with students, encouraging them, having individual conversations. Uh, sometimes it's disciplinary. Other times it's just they just want to come and talk about uh, things that they're learning in class or whatever it might be things going on at home. Uh, and so that that's a large part of it. And then the other major portion of my time is uh, given to teaching. Uh, and so I, you know, some of the things that I just finished teaching the pastorals, so first, second Timothy and Titus, uh, and I do some of the, the Old Testament books as well, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. And then with our second year students, I oversee all of the different outdoor activities that we do that you actually started, so I inherited that from you. Thanks a lot. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> makes me have to go for runs. Uh, <laughs> do you remember your first run with me? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I invited John to go into town with me. We'd run into town and, and get something to drink, and, and he, it, 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 he was in misery the whole way there. <laughs> he actually had to stop on the way back. And when we got there, the store we were going to was closed. Yeah, it was yeah. not rewarding at all. <laughs> but uh, but then I remember too that was in between your first and second year. Then you became a second year, and I remember we were in a five k together, yeah. and I I heard these footsteps, and you and I had run so much together that I recognized the cadence. I knew it was you, and you caught me and passed me like I was standing still, and finished. I think well probably five minutes ahead of me. It was quite a bit, whatever it was. But uh, but anyway, that was interesting to see. But anyway, go ahead. You're, yeah. you, you're you're in charge of the outdoor activities and and yeah. So I, I enjoy that a lot. Getting to do that with the second years and just being with them in a different environment, different setting. Yeah, because I, I teach them as well. We do hermeneutics and the Passion Week of Christ. Uh, but then with the outdoor activities, just getting to to see them in a different setting and mm-hmm. have different teachable moments. And uh, so it's really uh, just just precious to get to be a part of that. Uh, and so yeah, those are the the primary responsibilities. I I oversee the the high ropes course as well. I inherited that from you as well. Yeah, uh, and yeah, I really really enjoy getting to do that. So for our summer camp, training all of our uh, all of our volunteers that are going to be running on the tower that that summer. Yeah, great. Now you're also doing a little bit of traveling now. You're teaching at some of the other torchbearer centers, right? Yeah, this is actually the first year that I've gotten to do that. Uh, so I got to go to Ravencrest in January, and I'll get to go to Timberline here in April. That's great. Uh, what are you teaching in those those schools? At Ravencrest, I did first and second Peter, and, and I teach that here as well. And then at Timberline, I'm going to be teaching through Acts. All right. Yeah, so that'll be my first time. I, I've preached through a few sermons on Acts, and I've done it for summer camp. That's five sessions. So this will be 12, so it's quite a bit more, but we'll, I'm looking forward to it. That's neat. I'm I'm really excited you're able to 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 start to do that. Yeah, that's yeah. that's always an encouraging thing to uh, to go to these other places and to meet other students, other staff, uh, all basically on the same page. And yeah. uh, and it's it's a a good refreshing time uh, as well. 
So anyway, I'm glad that's happening. Okay, now just to finish up, what are some of the things on staff that you've come to just really enjoy? And then also, what are some things that you've found to be a challenge? Maybe they're the same thing. Well, I'll start with what I enjoy, uh, because that's happier. Uh, I I mean, just hands down, what I enjoy the most, two things I would say, uh, is first, just getting to see the Lord work in in students' lives. Uh, From when they come in in September to when they leave in May, uh, by and large, there's just clear transformation that's happened. Uh, And that's just, again, not because of His Hill and the program that we have. It's because of Christ and the Mm -hmm. work that He's doing. And He's using His Word, and He's using, again, just the the conversations about Himself that they're having with each other and with staff members to to just cause them to consider... um, who they are and what it means to be in Christ and, and to trust him and to abide in him. And so that's hands down that the thing that I just cherish the most about getting to serve here at his hill. And then the other thing I really enjoy is just getting to raise my kids here. Yeah. You know, having our family be here is, is such a blessing. And again, it's a really unique environment. Uh, and so my, my kids get to hang out with students, and, and I mean, you can testify to this as well as you raise your kids here, that they they grow up around college kids that love Jesus. Yeah. And so oftentimes the, uh, the stereotype of the high schooler and college-age student is that they're, they're going through this necessary rebellious stage, and it's right. not necessary at all. That's right. Uh, and it's just something that we have as a stereotype. And so getting to, to have my kids interacting with these college-age students who love the Lord is just such a blessing for them. Uh, I really appreciate that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And as far as challenges, uh, hardships, I think that one of the the hardest things to see is uh, just the reality that everyone's going to make their own choices. And as students leave his hill, uh, we have so many quote unquote success stories of just students that continue to pursue Christ. And, uh, and there's also plenty of stories where they don't, mm. and, and those are heartbreaking. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, it just reminds me, you know, I had a professor in college who would, as we we're learning about Bible teaching would always say, you know, in regards to our students, there's no such thing as a sure thing, and there's no such thing as a lost cause. Mm. And it's so easy to categorize people in one of those two areas. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to say, well, I see the rules that this person's breaking, and, and in my flesh it's that tendency to, to cast judgment and to say, this is who you are. Uh, and the Lord bring me back to recognizing, you know, just like... Uh, God tells Samuel, you know, that we look at, at the external and the outward appearance, but the Lord's looking at the hearts. And uh, even when it might seem like somebody is apathetic or not caring, yet, you know, seeing a couple years down the road after a time here that, that they're just in love with the Lord and, and trusting Christ. Yeah. Uh, and then the opposite can be just as true as that they can be very seemingly committed during their time here. Uh, and and as we use the term on fire for the Lord, you know you hear that a lot. Uh, but then as they as they leave, you know for whatever reasons and circumstances, they uh, they just have a, a difficult time continuing to to fix their eyes on Jesus. And 
And so that's one of the, the hardest things about being here is walking alongside of and, and getting to know these students for nine months. Uh, and then when they are making decisions that are making a shipwreck of their faith, as Paul talks about in First mm. Timothy, uh, it's, it can be really just disheartening. And so it's just, again, a matter of giving it to the Lord and saying, Lord, it, it's not my responsibility to maintain somebody else's faith. Uh, it's just my calling to, to proclaim Christ. And, and so with my kids and with in my own home and in the, the place that the Lord has put me for work here at his hill or whatever a person's vocation is, right, that's, that's the calling just to proclaim Christ. You know, whatever that looks like. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's a good note to end this on that, you know, no matter where we are, you know, you don't have to be on staff at his hill. Yeah. But whether you're a you know, a mother, a lawyer, doctor, carpenter, no no matter no matter where the Lord's placed us or who he's put us with, that that this is for us. You know, the the that relationship with Christ and to be about Christ, you know, proclaiming him and all that we do and say. And yeah. so that's, yeah, I think that's a, a good way to end this, to encourage our alumni to be abiding and to continue to fix our eyes on Jesus and press on. Okay. Amen. All right. Well, thanks for the time, John. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. John has been a blessing to Kelly and myself as we've been privileged to watch his growth in the Lord throughout the years. And he's doing a really wonderful job as the principal. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at the His Hill Podcast. And please be praying for us as we start the preparations for a new school year. We have 70 students showing up in just a few weeks. Please pray for them and the staff that our hearts would be ready for what the Lord wants to do. If you would like to have any of our teachers come and speak at your church, Bible study retreat, or any event, just get in touch with Kelly at kelly at hishill.org. Also, if you have any suggestions for topics to cover or people to interview, just let Kelly know. You've been listening to the His Hill Podcast. Our host is my husband, Kelly Doherty. My name is Arlene Doherty. Until next time, remember to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Jesus.